Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Summer is here, and I hope many of you are on the road right now, traveling and exploring the world again. Since it's vacation season and so many of us are out and about, I thought today I would dig back into the interview archives from this year alone and play a conversation that never made it to the SKUcast. Now, we host numerous interviews with folks in the industry, not just through the SKUcast, but also through our events. And this year, we've surely hit some kind of record given the number of interviews we've conducted. So we have plenty of rich conversations to choose from. And though I don't like to pick favorites, what I do prefer is to publish or replay a topic that deserves our attention. In April, we interviewed Brian Pape, founder of Mir, through a partnership with our friends at Gemline. And we had record attendance at that event. But sometimes these conversations are so rich, but they disappear so quickly into the ether before we even have a chance to process what we've learned and put into action. So we're bringing that chat back to you today. And if you weren't able to attend that event, then you're in for a real treat because Brian not only provides an aspirational example of how we can build purpose-driven brands, but he also provides plenty of practical tips along the way. If you're unfamiliar with Mir, let me introduce you. Brian Pape founded Mir in 2010 with a dream to create more beauty and generosity in the world. Having inherited his grandfather's entrepreneurial spirit, it wasn't until a life-or-death ski accident that Brian fully realized his vision to build a legacy of using business as a tool to positively impact the world. As he set out to build Mir, he recognized two important things. First, there was a gap in the marketplace for high-quality, uniquely designed water bottles. And second, that business and philanthropy can be a powerful combination. Today, Mir is a mission-driven drinkware company that empowers people for a better future. They've given over a million dollars toward clean water, a healthy environment, and stronger community initiatives. Brian and I chat about multiple topics, including how to get started as a purpose-driven brand, where to even begin. We talk about how philanthropy starts at home, connecting product with purpose, the network effect of partnering with other brands to amplify your mission, moving beyond rhetoric and beyond performative allyship to real change, and for us Enneagram fans, how they use the Enneagram in their business to cultivate understanding in their team, how to coach individuals through a mindset of mind, soul, body, and craft, plus One of the best pieces of business advice he's ever received on the topic of why a values-based approach to business is kind of an anemic model and how a practice-based approach creates real impact through company values. Now, before we hear from Brian, you've likely heard we launched pre-registration for SKU Camp. SKU Camp is a boot camp experience for entrepreneurs. It's blast. It's fun, inspirational, challenging. It's also an event that brings together the brightest in the business to share and learn from each other. On October 27th through the 30th, we're returning to the original location in Palm Springs with not just a reboot, but with a fresh and original vision. We're doing things a little different this year. Since SKU Camp sells out so quickly, we opened pre-registration. Pre-registering will add you to the list to be notified 24 hours before tickets are made open to the public, giving you a chance to secure your seat before they sell out. Within 24 hours of launching skewcamp.com, we had an overwhelming response. So I encourage you to pre-register to ensure that you know when tickets go officially on sale. There's no cost to pre-register. There is a cost for the event, but not a cost to pre-register. Just go to skewcamp.com to learn more and sign up. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more or to begin your free trial now, 
visit commonsq.com. Now, here's my conversation with our good friend, Brian Pape. I think when people look at your business, you know, one of the things that I think they do is they see this million dollar initiative and they, 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 they laud that, they want that, they're conscientious entrepreneurs, they want to be a part of that experience, they want to create that themselves. You didn't leap to a million dollars, you had to start somewhere. So whether we're a new entrepreneur starting out or whether we just come out of COVID and we want to refocus and, and open our scope and, and really orient our business toward purpose-driven initiatives, how do you even know where to start? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Bobby. And I, you know, it's uh, again, thanks for having me. It's good to see uh, you and and uh, hopefully all the people tuning in. Uh, it's good to be with you all again a year later or a year and a half. Wow, uh, I wish we were all in Vegas together. Usually, I don't say I wish I was in Vegas, but I wish I was in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we certainly, yeah, it wasn't overnight uh, to to get to a million. We're about to cross two million in granting this year, which still just kind of blows my mind. Um, yeah, wow. You know, I the, the, I think the important thing, um, you know, is 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 just being vulnerable and also just being open about, you know, my experience early on. I, I got to be honest. So we we started giving from day one, and there were times where I thought, gosh, how how vain and self righteous is this to think that you know a five thousand dollar check here, a ten thousand dollar check here, you know, is really going to move the needle when we were really small. And I thought, you know, gosh, if I had stayed in you know corporate America or or kind of gone a different path and you know just kind of saved some money and gave it away, that might have been might have been a better avenue. But I just Heads down, kept going, kept going. You know, eleven years later, you know, here we are at at, at about two million dollars. And so, um, you know, I think the most important thing um, that I kind of observed from you know my family was that you just have to start. You know, because yeah. as soon you know, if we were here now at at the the scale at which Mir is, to think that we would be like, oh yeah, we're just going to go ahead and uh, carve off three percent of our revenue and start start giving. You know, people would kind of be like, what about this and what about that? So it's it doesn't have to be three percent. It could be whatever um, kind of makes you slightly uncomfortable. That's kind of what we talk about: is not what makes you comfortable, but just kind of right there at the edge. Um, but just starting, whether it's today, whether you're starting your company, or or you want to kick off some new initiatives, the important thing is just to start um, because it'll start to build up over time and over time. And, and you make that commitment every day. And now we don't even think about it. Um, not from the fact yeah. that we don't think about impact, but you know, we don't even look at it and go, "Oh, well, what about if we took this?" And you know, we you know we did some more marketing initiatives or, you know, went to some more trade shows. It's just, we just know that that those dollars are going to go straight to some amazing nonprofits and we love it. So um, encouragement is just to start, you know, you're, you're not going to get to a million dollars overnight or maybe you are, that'd be great. Um, But for us, it took a long, long time. And, um, you know, I always share um, people who have shared great um, wisdom with me and Dennis Madsen, who is one of the um, former CEOs of REI kind of scaled from one store to about a hundred stores. You know, a young entrepreneur at 24 starting my company was just, you know, tons of energy, tons of passion. And, and Dennis is like, Brian, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. Well, one of the things you said to me, it, unfortunately, there's a lot of heartbreak in the world. There's plenty of places for us to start where we can start contributing. But sometimes as entrepreneurs, we're overwhelmed by where to start. There's so many causes. There's so many things we can do. One comment you made to me is to start in a couple of areas. One was, Think about what breaks your heart. I think that'll get closer. And so if you and your team are trying to figure out where we go, what we start with, that's a great dialogue to have with your team. But second, one of the things that you said too was to closely align your product with your mission if you can. And how does that amplify what you're doing both on the business side as well as your contributions to the community? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, So I think the, the, the first piece there 
you know, when people are going, gosh, I want to do something good. I don't know what to, you know, give back to or, or to be a part of. I always encourage, encourage people to, to, to look within your company first. You know, a lot of people mm -hmm. think it's, it's about what you give out to the community. And while that's important, you know, there's a lot of shoring up to do with, you know, benefits. You know, uh, I think it was yeah. 2020, you know, we shored up our own benefits and um, extended medical care, you know, across, you know, our, our employees to their spouses, to their kids, like full medical coverage. We have a whole bunch of benefits that we just, you know, we said, hey, it's going to cost us a lot of money, but it's really important that we take care of our people um throughout COVID and, and into the future so you know there's some people don't think of that as impact but i do you know i think taking care of yeah. your people is super important um so you can look internally uh, before you look externally and then if you're looking externally and you're kind of you're drawing some blanks or you want to know um what to really dive into uh andy stanley who's a great leader on the east coast says you know what breaks your heart and it's you know that that question cuts so quickly to things that just oh, you just you get you get bummed out you want to help out um, and, and for my wife and I in 20, 2009, when we first started working on Mir, we had seen an ad for charity water and saw that close to a billion people lacked access to clean water, something that we've always had our entire lives. And so that just, you know, I got goosebumps thinking, gosh, this is, A, I didn't know it was this big of an issue. And B, I just, I want to solve this. I want to help however I can because it's such a, water is such a fundamental element um, of living. And so that question, I think, is just great. You know, it could be community driven. It could be, you know, getting kids onto bicycles. It could it could be a whole host of things. And I think that question um, also gets you really motivated, at least for me. Um, so that's yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you, one of the I love your advice about starting at home because it, it's easy to get that backwards, isn't it? It's easy to start out and, and, and be giving over here, but then then sort of leave this um, weekend infrastructure, if you will. Something you mentioned to me was that when you started inside, that began to scale your efforts. So it wasn't just you pulling everybody along by making sure first that you started at home, that helped scale your efforts and everyone got behind the mission. Is that part of your story? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So for us, you know, when I started just, you know, kind of as a solo entrepreneur, it was definitely about, you know, you know, this, you know, this cup helps provide somebody with clean water and and it was very much external. So our mission is to empower people for a better future. And and that was definitely external at, at the start. And then as we kind of grew, uh, he, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, again, Dennis Madsen, we were, you know, we were given, you know, a lot of money away and it was awesome. And and yet we weren't really paying our, our own team. I wasn't paying myself and we weren't paying our team, you know, necessarily uh, the wages we should have been um, uh, from like, you know, market based in Seattle, you know, and so he said, if you don't take care of your people, you're not going to have a business to take yeah. care of others. And I thought, <clears throat> so it really struck us, you know, so we kind of adjusted our model, um, you know, elevated, elevated wages, and we had to make the business sustainable outside of us, you know, choosing to give money away. Um, and then for us, you know, we're, we're kind of linked to, you know, drinkware is, is sustainable in of itself, meaning it's not single use, you don't use it and then throw it away. And so this idea that like, we want to have something that's sustainable um, and the product in and of itself is sustainable. So there, we have a very common link between that and then also yeah. the, uh, the philanthropy side of us choosing to be generous and to grant money. Um, you know, I think the more you can correlate your product to your purpose, um, the more of this kind of virtuous circle, this virtuous cycle that you will get, it can be hard. You know, a lot of consultants or service oriented companies struggle and say, how am I, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, but I yeah. think, there are so many great examples out there. And I think especially when you look at uh, when you look at employees or, or where you're sourcing talent or labor, 
that can be a huge uh, potential for service and for impact. You know, I think of Dave's Killer Bread. Um, it's, it's kind of a West Coast-ish brand that they might be national now, but um, Dave, who had been in prison for a variety of things, you know, their business employs a whole host. I can't remember what percentage, it's a very high percentage of their labor is actually people who have transitioned out of prison. So they're very passionate about giving people yeah. a chance and employing them. So their mission is, it's bread, it's tasty, it's good, it's it's organic. Um, but that's not the story. The story is this, this second chance story. And I think, you know, oftentimes we think it's about, you know, giving bread away to somebody and and, and that could be a great model um, potentially. But I think we oftentimes forget about the people element. Speaking of that full circle, you partnered with some great companies, Starbucks and Cotapaxi, just to name a few. In what ways has linking with other companies actually helped fuel the mission? Yeah, it's you know it's been it's been incredible for us um, from a variety of perspectives. You know, when I started the brand in 2009, launched in 2010, you know, we didn't have a, a massive marketing budget, you know, to go end consumer. Um, although we started kind of on Facebook, and this is you know this is dating me and dating Facebook, but we would post content in on our Facebook page, and 100% of it went to the newsfeed. So our click through rate was through the roof. You know, it was it was very um, you know we were having some good success on Facebook. Um, but as soon as we started this brand partnership model of working with Starbucks and Cotopaxi and Herschel and you know, some of these really great brands, we had this amplification or or network effect is kind of what we call it of you know they're telling our story, we're telling their story, um, we're getting circulation, and now you know Mir is sold in, in 49 countries um, around the world, which still to this day just kind of it kind of blows my mind, but. Um, yeah travel all over Asia, Europe, and, and we're in some of the most premium coffee shops in the world. Um, and so you get this network effect where it's not just Mir in and of itself doing this thing, it's Mir and Cotopaxi. Um, you know, we come together and do co-granting together, which is just, I think that's really special. We've done it with Starbucks as well. We did a, a beautiful project in Honduras uh, with Starbucks Foundation partnered with our dollars. Um, so you get this, again, amplification that's just, it usually doesn't happen in just traditional traditional retail environments. Do you remember the first time that it really wakened your heart where you just went, oh, wow. Well, as a young entrepreneur, what was that first sort of moment where you decided we're going to commit to doing this? It's going to be a little bit and we're going to see what happens. Do you recall what the first sort of oh, wow moment was when you made an impact? Gosh, there. well, there's, there's I mean, there's, there's, I've been lucky. There's, there's a lot of career um, kind of highlights for me so far. And, and, you know, certainly the first trip, uh, my wife and I went to Liberia, Africa in 2011. And did some of our first um, grant making to an incredible nonprofit of locals in in, in Buchanan, um, kind of near the coast, uh, just doing clean water projects in their own community. So you know, community citizens who are who are um, you know connected through a church uh, that got connected to us. We're we're doing water projects in this small region, and you know, meeting these people and their passion for serving their community. And um, you know, it's interesting thinking back to that time. What's even more special than that is it was so genuine from that community and those people who were helping their other people. These people weren't you know, wealthy people had flown in, you know, while we had flown in to, to see it and assist it and see how we could help additionally, the folks doing the work on the ground were just compassionate about helping their own people. And there wasn't social media, there wasn't this grandstanding of look at us, look at this, they were just doing it because they knew it was the right thing to do. And I, I'll never forget that, you know, the generosity of them hosting us, we stayed in their houses and their, in their huts. And it was just like, it was, it was a really, really special moment. Um, you know, I think on the brand momentum side, one of the um, kind of craziest things that happened was 2013, um, this company called Patagonia emailed us and out of the blue and just um, because we didn't have a phone number on our website at the time. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, and then we did, we just never answered because we were too busy shipping packages and, and working on the business. But, um, you know, Patagonia had reached out and said, hey, we love your mission. We'd love to talk with you about partnering. And so I got to fly down and, and meet with the team and 
uh, meet with Yvonne. I've had some some really funny conversations with him over the years. And uh, those are moments where you kind of have to pinch yourself where you're, you know, you're sitting in, uh, you know, Yvonne's office talking about product innovation and and business and hard times. And um, so th those kind of moments are certainly uh, really, really impactful. You know, for companies starting today, I think sustainability, giving give back causes to our community, being eco-conscious, inclusive, all of those are critically important. And they're table stakes now. I mean, this this is a this is a conscious choice, but it's something that is is sort of entry level for an entrepreneur today. Is it a choice anymore? I mean, do you see these as sacrifice, obligation, or opportunity? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a really good question. You know, I, I hope people don't think this is a a sacrifice to to choose this model, um, or even even kind of I have to do this. You know, I, yeah. I um, I mean, in a weird way, I kind of it's nice that people feel as though they have to do it, so that there's kind of this like you know, momentum that builds um, for the for the world to be better. Uh, I, I do think that, um, at least from our experience, that for us to basically, um, you know, kind of really, for it to, 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 for it to be genuine, you know, I think, I think there's a whole, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like it's, it's table stakes and yet people shy away because they go, oh, well, it, it's not going to impact my customers. You know, th I think people think instantly that it has to be like Tom's or it has to be this like consumer product. Company. Mm, great point. And I, and I don't think that's true. I think, again, kind of going back to, you know, kind of looking at yourself internally of how am I how am I caring for my my stakeholders? Right. So my employees, my vendors, um, you know, as an example. So we we invite everybody throughout our supply chain into this model of generosity as an example. We now have a baseline for any supplier that we work with, whether it's locally for for screen printing or international, any of our any of our manufacturers. That if or if they want to work with us, they now have to grant in ad additionally to with us, meaning that they have to put up fifty thousand um, dollars to start that model of generosity within their own community. Wow. And yeah. so you know they've never seen this before. You know they're they're making product for Yeti and Hydro and all these, and, and, and every time Mir comes to the table, they're like really excited because they're like. Hey, check out this work we did at this local school, you know, and, and they're fired cool. up about it. And um, so that. we feel like there's this opportunity to kind of to change the model a bit, um, where others are kind of just going about their normal day-to-day -day lives of, of of whatever that may be. But um, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be forward-facing. It can be supply chain oriented. It could be tapping in your employees. It could be giving your employees time to volunteer during yeah. work hours. You know, there's so many ways that you can really get your team involved. Um, but it, it is becoming table stakes, and I think the reason why. Part of it is as we see a shoring up of talent in the marketplace that companies have to get better right and i think we're seeing this in the promo space that you know the quality of products especially for those who are willing to buy um kind of at the higher level they want to treat their clients and their employees with nicer products um, yeah i think similarly when you recruit talent you have to be able to say we want to allow people to um, take time off to volunteer or we give our own team Right now we start at a thousand dollars so every mere employee has a thousand dollars that they can direct to any 501c3 in the us um so we want our we want our, even our own employees to think about generosity of like hey where would i direct this money you know and it, and, and the the range of nonprofits is really cool yeah i love that this ties really well into our business because you and i talked about john mackey's conscious capitalism and he talked about the eco the entire ecosystem um promo cares is an organization within our industry that connects suppliers and distributors with causes and i can see distributors making those conscientious choices too i think in our world distributors are going to make more decisions based on supplier and partner selection with some of the criteria you've talked about today um 
I had one question about something recently in the wake of the, the just horrific hate and then xenophobia against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the US. You and your team did something I thought was wise for all of us to consider. You didn't immediately react. Uh, you did respond very thoughtfully with a donation to the uh, AAPI communities and causes. One statement that really stood out to me was a phrase that you wrote in, in a post or press release. You said, we're not interested in performative allyship. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, it's a great, um, gosh, it's it's a hot topic these days. And, you know, sure. I don't know if we're getting it right, but we're trying, we're, we're sure trying our best to, to be authentic and to do it. Um, you know, how we how we view it. And it's interesting through social media these days that, you know, the benefit is that we're exposed and we have we all have cameras and we can kind of film, you know, all the things that are happening, good and bad. And and, it, and sometimes it feels like more, more bad than good these days on social media. Um, you know, it's interesting. We took time internally. Um, and so so one of our ELT members, um, our executive team members, Tiffany, um, she's part of the, uh, you know, uh, Asian American community. She leads our impact process. And, you know, as we're kind of scrolling through social media, you know, companies are very quickly making statements. Um, you know, nothing wrong with making statements um, very quickly. And, and I, I checked in with a couple of companies I know. I said, hey, that's awesome. You're making statements. What are you what are you doing for your team and what are you doing for your community? And they were like, ah, we haven't figured that out yet. And it really it, it kind of it, it gave me pause. And the reason it gave me pause is that we're so quick to talk about the things that we want to do or what we're against. And yeah. we challenge ourselves to say, hey, what are we for? You know, of course, we're against racism. Of course, we're for that, right? <laughs> but just speaking that we're against racism does not solve racism, you know? And 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 um, while it can help spread awareness, we really took the time and said, hey, you know what? Let's check in with our team, you know? And, and Tiffany was really passionate about this. And so that whole week, you know, she was concerned. She had parents in the Bay Area, um, you know, and for her, she wanted to check in with her family. So she checked in, um, you know, the, the Asian American community within Mir is, is, is quite strong. And Tiffany checked in with that um, entire group and just said, hey, if you need to take time, awesome. Um, my executive coach is available for resource. We do Enneagram. And so there's a very tight knit community. We said, hey, we have to resource our team first. Then let's figure out who we're going to grant to and why. Um, and what is that going to look like? And let's invite our, our team in. And then we're going to go to social media and say, hey, here is what we have done. And here's what we're going to continue to do. Uh, but we got a lot of flag for it. I'll, you know, I'll be honest, you know, the, 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 the instant reaction from some of our team members and, and interestingly enough, it was, it was, um, you know, it was white people saying, well, we haven't made a statement about, you know, Asian hate. Does that mean we don't care? And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let, so we kind of had to reset the standard of saying, Hey, we don't necessarily move at the speed of like instant Instagram. We yeah. want to, and how vain is it? And we had an all company about this. How vain is it to go out and post? before you take care of your own people, you know? And, and so often I think about performative allyship of, of, of people are so quick to post so that they don't see, so they're not be seen as racist or that they don't care. And um, I don't know, we're, re we're really questioning how do we go about actual change? And for us, we fundamentally believe, take care of our own people. Let's invite that actual people group into the conversation for a grant. Cause who am I to say like the money should go here? I'm not Asian, um, you know? And so I think that was, you know, a really, uh, a really, interesting moment of time of communicating to our company as to why we're not posting like day of and taking our time to really think through how we want to be intentional about moving yeah. forward and not just doing it because everybody else is doing it, you know, and um, right. it seems like social media is, is that way these days. Well, everybody's doing it, so we have to do it, right? Yeah. I would love how you looked inward to your team for that advice that it wasn't Brian driving this and also that 
I think we do have to respond rather than react because it's really, it's, it's just so um, difficult, as you said. One of the things that you did this past year was speaking of your team, you mentioned that philanthropy should start at home and you have seemed to have taken this focus back to your team over the past year pretty intensely. Lisa Picard from the amazing company EQ Office helped you and your team navigate through this ambiguous world of values. Um, and, and what I love about this is that she came up with something far more practical and tactical to impact your team and your world called practices. Can you explain the shift that what that means, but then the shift that occurred within you and your leadership team, as you went from values-based organization to taking this into a practices approach? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And this, you know, this is, um, this is probably one of my favorites um, and, and best piece of advice that I've had in my entire career and, and one that I'll take and, and I constantly give out because it's, it's so, it's so easy and it's so practical and useful. And so this is probably five or six years ago, we kind of were clarifying our values and, um, you know, it was, it was a whole, it was a whole, you know, two day, three day offsite with this, you know, um, consultant and it was great. We ran out, we landed on some really great values. And about a year or so later, you know, we have this conversation with Lisa and she was talking about, you know, really values are something that kind of sit on your, you know, sit on your wall and they collect dust um, because if they're not living and breathing, they're just words. Right. And I think the famous example is Enron had integrity as a value and Enron clearly <laughs> have integrity. Right. <laughs> uh, the great irony there. And so, you know, so there was this kind of flip and the switch of making sure that your values are actual practices. And so, so at Mir, you know, we, we, you can hear, like if you were to tap into the Zoom calls or tap into the phone calls or the text message or the chats or the emails, you would hear our team communicate our practices, which is find a way, start with yes, enjoy the ride and be open. And so you'll hear our team members, you'll hear a salesperson call a sales ops person and say, hey, you know, Megan, I really appreciate you finding a way to get this for my customer. Um, and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Gemline hears it, you know, when they interact with our sales team of, hey, thanks for being open to our idea or, uh, you know, this new concept. And so... Um, it's so it's so simple. Like when Lisa said it was like this makes so much sense. Um, and it, it takes time. You know, we 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 reward and measure uh, performance management against those practices. You know, so we highlight every six months when we sit down and do our performance reviews with our team members. Hey, really saw you lean into into you know being open. Um, and here's the example, right? And over 2020, we noticed that you know not many people were enjoying the ride. <laughs> it was it was a brutal year, and so. There are a whole host of things um, that we did internally. You know, we developed this. You know, 2020. In, in, you know, apart from you know the, the death and the the business destruction and, and all the horrible things that have happened, uh, 2020 was one of my favorite years. And the reason I say that is because there was so much opportunity for growth, personal growth, business growth, leadership development growth. And I spent a tremendous amount of time researching, reading. You know, as there was downtime to really shore up and think about how our culture interacts um, and how we can basically empower our own team. Again, thinking about our team, you know, so we empower people for a better future. It's not just the stakeholders or the nonprofits, it's also our own team. And yeah. so we developed, um, you know, through working with um, Pete Carroll um, at, the, at the Seahawks and some others, that there's this belief that we've come up with that there's four things that you can coach an individual and it's mind, soul, body, and craft. Um, and I'll say it again, mind, soul, body, and craft. Sometimes we go head and heart, you know, um, but for us, we develop what we call the quadrant. And so each one of those quadrants, there's a touch point or a training exercise or a coaching opportunity for our team. And so, um, you know, we weren't paying for an office this year. Our lease has ended, unfortunately, in, in April of 2020. And so <clears throat> we said, let's pause. Let's put those dollars towards leadership development. Uh, my executive coach and the, and the consultant that we work with 
runs a, um, a program called Managing with Heart and Mind. And so it's this idea that the mind and the heart are, are inextricably connected. And the more you can bring that connective tissue together and then lead with those connective tissues, you're gonna have more empathy, you're gonna have better communication, better feedback. And so everybody in the entire company, five day intensive course, uh, not five days in a row, we kind of did like every other Friday, went through this whole Managing with Heart and Mind, really shoring up some of our um, leaders and their capacity to lead. Um, we do Enneagrams. So our executive leadership team has done Enneagram for about three years now. And we I was going to ask you about that. Sam Cates is going to love this, but keep going. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we do Enneagram as a company. And, and at first, uh, my executive coach who leads that for our team uh, was kind of like, gosh, the whole company, like, yeah, we've never done that before. Um, but he had, you know, he has, he's been trained in South Africa through an institute there. And it's um, really, really smart, really, really um, sharp guy. And he goes, let's let's give it a try. And so our team has just devoured it. I mean, they love it. You know, it, it provides this common language, this understanding, um, you know, builds. And I think the thing that's great about um, Enneagram is, is there's this belief that you have to build trust but before you become vulnerable. And the science is actually showing us the opposite. And so at Mir, I have to constantly focus on being vulnerable, whether I make a mistake, um, being open and transparent about decisions that I made or or, or didn't make, um, you know, so our conversations about you know um, you know anti-Asian hates stuff like that being vulnerable leads to trust, not trying to build trust to then be vulnerable. Um, and so similarly, Enneagram gives that opportunity because people have to kind of talk about why they're you know they might be this number and how they're going to shore up um, you know yeah. what the three looks like. And so anyway, we your, by the way, what's your, everyone's going to want to know, Brian? What's your number? I'm a type. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a four. What are what are you? Oh, I'm a, I'm a hardcore three. Um, I love okay. and achieving, you know, and um, speaking in front of people, you know, um, but um, you know, it's a very, a three with a very close seven right behind it on the, on the scoring. Um, so I, sorry to interrupt you. I'll let you get back yeah. to Enneagram quad. How did all of that continue to, to really develop your leadership team? I love, by the way, one comment about quad is I love this. That gives you a framework as a leader. Instead of just saying generally, how's our team doing? You now have a framework to say, how are they doing in these four areas? Totally, totally. Yeah. So it's, you know, we, we do a, uh, we have a mindfulness and meditation coach. Um, we have a spring semester and a fall semester. And so it's an hour and a half every Friday uh, for eight weeks, both spring and spring and fall. And it's, um, it's that part's optional. You know, if people think it's too woo woo, that's fine. But um, I personally, I love it. Um, we use uh, Made For, uh, which is Blake Mikoski's uh, new venture, and so it's it's a it's a habit forming of of, of ten habits, tw ten core habits. You know, like eating, drinking, sleep, gratitude, uh, mindfulness, um, and so that one's optional as well. But really, resourcing our teams because if if somebody can bring their whole self to work, they're gonna a they're gonna perform better, but it's also gonna be a much more enjoyable experience. So, in, in kind of service to our practice, enjoy the ride we want to resource our people. Um, and we, we believe that all of our peoples are, all of our people are leaders. And so what we look at internally is leadership of self, leadership of others, and then leadership of company. And so, you know, when somebody is like, Hey, I really want to be on a leadership team, or I want to eventually become like a leader of people. That's awesome. We love that. We want everybody to be a leadership of a leader of themselves, excuse me. And then we resource them to be able to do that. So, Everybody has, you know, the availability to work on Enneagram one on one with our Enneagram coach. Um, so that's those are those are kind of some things that came out of 2020. And I don't think would have happened if we hadn't had 2020. Um, so in a weird way, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan. A <laughs> uh, couple of questions from the community. Uh, Danny Rosen, um, whom, whom we're all big fans of here, is how is Mir taking its amazing physical products and connecting them to community giving strategies in the digital world? Does that make sense? Gosh, in the digital world, 
like like what like um yeah, I, I, I think just just how are you translating your sales through digital experiences and give back? Is there is there any component related to this? I mean, how are you equating what happens in the digital world with the physical world? Definitely. Uh, my my uh, Starbucks mug is full of coffee, but there's basically there's a give code on there's a there's a number on the bottom of this cup. Um, and I'm really excited about the future here because, um, again, 2020 a lot of, like you go to asia qr codes everywhere in america pre-2020 people are like what do i do with a qr code now everyone <laughs> knows how to use a qr code right. uh, we've been working on yeah. this COVID, but we have uh, some of our new product that's coming out has a qr code on the bottom of every of every vessel and so we've we've had a give code gosh since 2011 and this code is an invitation to our model of generosity so What's what's really great is you know we have millions of units going out a year and and people are able to come and register that code on our website and look at our grant making process. Um, we're opening up our entire supply chain over the next couple of years as far as like here are the standards BSCI certified fair trade whatever whatever um, factory has um, the pieces we want to expose that to our customers and let them see where did our factories grant you know in China what are they doing because it's so it's so cool um, so we have this really unique opportunity to connect all customers whether somebody buys it from gemline and then sells it to staples and then sells it to facebook that facebook end consumer has the opportunity to come back and actually see you know the grant that we did to seattle bike works to help get kids onto bicycles um so that's kind of like the digital component for me that, that we love yeah. yeah i love i love it you just share what a brilliant idea thank you for sharing that um you just shared that with several hundred people that are selling millions of mugs. So that's that that idea is probably going to proliferate as we go along. Uh, Brian, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you show, showing up again, not only just to talk about what Mira is doing, but to be vulnerable enough to share the transition and challenges and struggles you've had with you in your leadership and how you've shifted. Man, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, and hopefully there were some tidbits for folks to take away. Um, we love working with everybody in this industry and wish we could be in person. But uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's always fun to, to share what we're going through. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.